When I found out I was gonna be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really glad that you're joining us today. Every week, I get the opportunity to invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, today's show is sponsored by Seiko Designs, and Seiko is an ethical fashion brand that makes beautiful and versatile sandals, bags, and accessories. I love my Seiko sandals. They are the number one pair of sandals I'm wearing all summer. On top of that, on top of making great products, every single product that Seiko makes is helping to send a brave woman in Uganda to college through their super cool work-study program that what it does is it matches the women's wages with a scholarship towards college. I love that so much, and I love buying sandals that are making a difference. You can buy their sandals online at SeikoDesigns.com. Um, if you get forget how to spell it, it's S-S-E-K-O. Just Google Ugandan sandals. Or you can buy them through your local Seiko fellow. And if you're interested in joining the Seiko team and helping them further their mission to educate and empower women in Africa while earning an income and free product, you can learn more about the Seiko Fellows program on their website. Seiko Designs is so kindly giving all of you listeners 15% off. Use the code HAPPYHOUR for 15% off. And again, I mentioned this last week. If you're interested in more about the program, go listen to episode number 75 because we talk all about Seiko. My guest today is Amber Haynes. And gosh, you are going to fall in love with her as much as I did. We chat about all kinds of things. But one of my favorite things about Amber was what sport she talked about that she's taking up these days to spend extra time with her boys. It just made me smile so much. She's beautifully written two books, Wild in the Hollow, which is a story of the God who makes himself known in broken places. And most recently, a book called The Mother Letters. Um, That book was written because after Amber had given birth to all of her boys, three boys in three years, her husband Seth, he saw the need that she needed a little bit of encouragement, just the day-to-day drama that motherhood brings. So he secretly collected nearly 600 wise, honest, and sometimes hilarious letters from other mothers around the world. He compiled these mother letters as a gift to her. And then Seth and Amber have chosen their most favorite letters to include in this beautiful book. It's a great gift. So my guest is Amber. You're going to love her. I want to thank all of you that are listening. And I want to remind you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. By subscribing to The Happy Hour, you're guaranteeing that you never miss an episode. And really, who wants to miss a happy hour with all the amazing women that we have on the show? It's super easy. If you have an iPhone, you just need to search in your podcast app on your phone for The Happy Hour Jamie Ivy. If you want to subscribe on iTunes, just head over to jamieivy.com slash iTunes. If you don't use Apple products, no worries, no shaming here. Go to any of your podcasting apps like Pocket Cast or Stitcher or any others and just search for the show. Next week, you're going to want to be subscribed because it's a special show where I have two of my favorite women and two of your favorite guests back on the show. Before we get to Amber, I want to tell you about two things. Number one, if you didn't hear about our scripture memory cards at the end of episode 93, then I want to tell you about them now. My friend Amanda Brown and I decided that we wanted to help our kids hide God's word in their hearts this summer. So we created something to help us all. We've picked eight scripture to work through this summer, and we're hoping that you join us. Head on over to the shop and check it out. It's jamieivy.com store. 
Second thing I want you to know is that the next Happy Hour Live tickets go on sale tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Last time we had them up, they went so fast, and I'm anticipating that again. So set your alarm, snag some tickets, tell your girlfriends about it. It's going to be at my house again in Austin, Texas, and of course we'll have so much fun, amazing food, and amazing conversation. So I hope that you get to go. Guys, that was a lot to get you to the beginning of the show. Thank you for listening. And here is my conversation with Amber Haynes. I know it. Okay, well, we're in the middle of summer. I mean, not the middle. It just started for the love. Um, But (laughs) what are you guys doing this summer? We are... I feel like we're working our fannies off. We're running around. I thought it was going to be like a season of chill out and go to the pool and all that stuff. It's not. Okay. It's just not. Tell me what's (laughs) happening. And we're just jumping in here. That's how the happy hour rolls. We just jump in. Oh, that's awesome. Let's do it. Tell me what's happening. So, well, for one, Seth is an attorney. So my husband is an attorney and he's a writer and he's the most creative human on the planet. And so he is doing both just full on. And I set aside this summer to be full on with our four boys. Okay. <laughs> and so I have not, I did not schedule any help. I don't have writing projects. I'm, I'm not doing anything but just my boys, my house, my garden. Your chickens. My chickens, my ducks. I love oh, it. We could spend the whole time talking about uh-huh. that. Um, and then we signed back up for karate this year, which we did it a couple of years ago. And I started back karate with the boys. So I'm actually, I'm on the black belt journey. Wait, I'm you are my, doing karate as well? I'm doing it with my boys. I mean, no, if you see me, I, it's ridiculous. This is the best. <laughs> do you love this? Or is it just like, hey, I I'm going to endure this to be with my kids? No, I think it's the most amazing thing. I think it's beautiful. Tell me why. Sell me on it. Okay. So, you know, when you see people do Tai Chi out like in a field Mm -hmm. alone, it looks dreamy. It looks dreamy. It looks super relaxing, but I would never do that. No, me neither. I would never do that business. But the way we learn these beautiful forms that are similar to what you will see in Tai Chi, Uh but they're like hardcore. And you could like hurt somebody with them. I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to fight anyone, but I feel strong and I feel more balanced. And I also, everyone's like physically while, or like spiritually, emotionally, like every, every way, but mostly physically. Okay. Okay. You're going <laughs> to kick somebody's butt if they come at you. Yes. Or I'm at least going to know how to step away in a really <laughs> smooth manner. Right. I'm not there yet. I mean, I have a white belt. Okay, I tell have... me the orders of the belts. Okay, for grown-ups, I think, okay, so I take Tong Sudo. Okay. I think it goes, <laughs> I don't really know what it means either. Um, I think it's white, orange, green, brown, red, black. Okay, so you're very beginning. I'm very beginning. And yeah, you but want a black belt. Yeah. I'm so, I'm like already proud of you. Thanks. And you're not even there, but I know you're going to do it. And I'm so proud. Thanks. I'm excited. I really love it. I don't think about it that much until I'm practicing with the boys. And then I go to class and I really love it. And so many people, you just do it day by day. It's a, or week by week. Do your boys love it? 
Mm-hmm. They do. What They're really good. Fun thing. I would have never like. You would never think like, oh, a mom and her kids can do karate together. No. But what a fun thing for you and your boys. I know it. I love it. Okay. So, now, Seth, any karate with him? Oh, he now he. I think he will start it because our youngest doesn't do it yet. Uh-huh. But when Titus starts, Seth says that he would like to start with Titus. Okay. Which you guys. For Seth Haynes to even touch his toes feels like <laughs> a miracle. That is hilarious. And how old is Titus? He's four. Okay. Yeah. And when will he start? How long do we have until Seth's in the karate uniform? Maybe in the next six months. Okay. What a fun family thing. I know. I know. Okay. It. I so your summer's karate. Um, but Seth is like full on work mode and you're like right. chilling with your kids. Does it feel, how old is your oldest child? 11. Okay. So we're around the same age. I have a 12 year old, yeah. 11, 10, eight year old. So we're around the same kind of stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like we're in this weird kind of stage of parenting. I don't know if you feel this way. Whereas you're not necessarily having to entertain them all day. Mm-mm. Um, but if they entertain themselves all day, my kids would always choose like electronics. Oh, yes. And so I'm having to like insert like other things, but yet I'm still like working maybe two days a week. Are you working at all this summer? I'm working. And, okay. and I'm, well, I'm trying to work. I'm do. I'm writing. I'm being okay. creative. So none of it is a, a forced thing. I also just applied for seminary. And so we'll, we'll hear back about that. I'm not kidding. Where are you going? I'm, I hope Fuller. Oh my gosh. So I'm really, I'm super excited about that. So I've been, I had to write a couple of essays. Well, let me tell you, I applied and just did it all super fast, wrote two essays and I applied to the wrong program. Like I did it wrong. Oh no. (laughs) So I had to redo it and write two different essays. So even stuff like that, just for the boys to not be in on top of me. Mm You know, a lot of times it is electronics or you have to read for an hour. Yeah, we do that for sure. Like today is a Monday that we're recording this and it's a full day for me. Like I schedule, I've been, I work from, I work from nine to five today, full day, but I'm in my home. And so in between every interview, I have three today, I'll go downstairs and how are things, you know, da, 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 check in and then go back upstairs. And so they're just kind of like on their own. Right. Um, but then I'm not working much the rest of the week. So, you know, I kind of try to do that. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you um, okay. because this is my husband, Aaron, and I are entering into this new stage of life that I feel like I, you could probably give us a little bit of encouragement on. And I think people that are listening, although they may not relate 100 percent to what our families look like, I think that we can still get a conversation going that could kind of help them as well. You and Seth are both writers. Mm-hmm. First of all, when you said that he's so creative and he's an attorney, I would never, ever put those two things together. <laughs> I know. He's is, a freak show. Is that this like, does he have this internal struggle or does he just rock it? Um, he has an internal struggle. Okay. Because I'm like, I would, I'm totally assuming here, I would not assume most people who are in the field of law are not also creative. Oh. Yeah. Is that a good assumption? I, you know, that's what I would think too. He's like an anomaly. He's like not the norm. Well, I mean, I don't know. I do know some attorneys who are pretty creative and, but the majority of his time is he's a, he's a lawyer Yeah. and that's where his brain is. So I think when he gets to have these creative outlets, um, it's so healing 
and amazing to him mm, uh-huh. that he he goes for it really yeah. hard. Yeah. And so he'll come home and say, I wrote chapter five at lunch today. <laughs> You're like, what? At lunch? That's- yeah, exactly. That took me and seven I'll be like, days. Yeah, or or three months. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And so you're a creative person. Like that's yes. a huge outlet for you. You're an author. Um how many books have you um created this far? I have I have only written one. We we did a compilation. We did a compilation. Letters. Okay. Yeah. Got got a beautiful book that y'all put out together uh, this year. Um, yes. But you have this creative brain as well. How does that work for you in the summer? Let's just rest here for a minute and th- talk about how do you still manage to create and not kill that part of your brain um, when your kids are home and they're not usually home all year. So you have this summer and you want to be family. You want to do fun mm-hmm. stuff, karate, pool, all that kind of stuff. But you don't want to just totally suppress this creative side. What, how, how do you handle that challenge? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've handled it very poorly and then I've handled it well. <laughs> so, so tell us what not to do and then tell us what to do. <laughs> what not to do is um, don't resist, resent people who get to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or be angry, um, or be a martyr. So in my house, the way I've done it wrong is say, okay, Seth gets to be creative. And so I'm going to serve him by, you know, washing his clothes and loading the dishwasher and let him do that. And then before long, I'm like fuming that I'm not getting my creative work done right. when when all along, you know, I turned into a martyr uh-huh. and I had no idea I was doing that. This is a semi-recent shift okay. for me. Okay. And this is not something I've really been through before. So as soon as I came to him and said, you know what? I have really not been supporting you very well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm supporting you physically by making it possible for you to do the work. Right. But I know he feels it in the air that I'm resenting him resenting and I didn't even know that I was doing that hmm. um did he know that you were doing that like it was something that uh, he like he could feel the tension but did he realize what you were doing no I don't think so okay. I mean I, definitely on the tension we're really good at reading the air you know yeah but not necessarily putting our finger on it what it is uh, so I mean I'm a huge fan of oh if you have two artists in your home you need to go to therapy. Somebody <laughs> needs to be in therapy. And I think everybody needs to go to therapy. It's good for the soul. It's amazing. Yes. And my therapist asked me a couple of months ago, why are you not angry about a few things on my little list? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I I don't do that. I, I'm terrified of anger. Anger is mm. going to mess me up. Mm-hmm. But then I lose my temper and, you know, stomp around the house. Yeah. Mad that all I do is clean and yell at the kids, you know. So um, I I thought to myself, maybe I need to sit with this a little bit, sit with this anger and see what what I'm angry about. And I started doing that. And it was exposed in me that I, I have a gift that I can be using. My eyes, my eyes can totally be awake to the beauty that is surrounding me at all times. Okay. So even if I'm not writing, I can be exercising my mind and taking note of every detail that is around me at all times. Mm. And that is something that 
when I start to wake up that way creatively, like where I'll walk in a room and say to myself, ooh, the curtains are this peacock green, but they're tilted to the side and a tassel hangs from them. Like I just start describing things to myself. When I wake up that way, I feel like I cannot wait. Like I could be running to paper every five minutes with a new sentence, a new idea. It's like I'm turned on. I'm awake. Yeah. And so that's happening for me now that I got this crazy resentment, martyrdom, bitterness out of me. That's really good. It's like you were suppressing this creativeness because you felt as though, well, I have to do this right now Mm -hmm. and I can be creative when the kids aren't here and when I'm not helping Seth. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I can actually be creative in the midst of all of this. That's right. I think that that is such a good thing for even just like if people are listening and they're a mom and a wife. Um, I feel like I went through this as well, Amber, where I just felt like, man, all I do is kid stuff and Aaron does fun stuff. Right. Creative. And even parts of his job are fun, you know? Um, I remember he'd be traveling on the road. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm staying in another hotel room. And I'm like, for the love, I'd stay in a hotel room any day. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That's amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And so, you know, I think that we can can do that in so many areas of our life where we start to look at what um, our spouse is doing and feel like they have the best end of the deal and we kind of have the wrong Mm -hmm. end of the deal. and I feel like I went through some of that same transformation, you know, a little di- different than you, but where I finally said, wait, I can do both. It looks mm-hmm. different. You know, yeah. your creativeness looks different than Seth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still probably has to fight that as well, working in an office all day and trying to find an outlet to be creative. He does. And then he you does. just have to find it, you know, in between karate lessons. Right. You know, it's just a little different. That's right. You know, it's interesting because... You have to do a whole lot of living to be able to write well Mm -hmm. Um, or whatever it is, any creative outlet, I think. So for us, our church is really is the most uh, it's the most amazing part about our lives. It's really um, I don't want to say consuming because that sounds like a negative thing, but Mm -hmm. it's what we do. It's how we spend our days, our evenings with our people. And, um, it really, it really takes up a lot of time. Mm. So even like you would look at your calendar for the week and say, okay, here are our free times. So it's really not, it's not free because we belong to a people and we have responsibility with people. And, um, what I'm finding is that the more that I actually do that out of a sense of like, uh, rest, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not fighting for my creative space. Um, I'm just awake to when I get the chance to do it. So there's like a a work, like I've got to like fight for this here and fight for this there. And um, I don't know. I feel so much more rested and like it's coming at me and I'm just grabbing it. There's a quote somewhere about grabbing a word or a line by the tail Mm. And and like bring it back to you and yeah. try to get it down as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing I'm seeing these beautiful things fly by me and I'm grabbing them by the tail and I'll write them down in a hurry. Is this a discipline you've had to learn? Yes. Yeah. I think I've heard people say that as well. Like you, you there's nothing to write about if you aren't living. 
Um, and I think I've experienced times in my life when creativity has been really difficult for me because I just have my head down to the grind and Mm -hmm. I'm just working. And I've experienced that more even since starting the happy hour. I mean, the happy hour is a job for me and there's a lot of back end work that goes into it. And sometimes I have felt seasons of like, man, I'm just like in my office, head to the computer, doing my thing. And then I start to feel dry and I start Mm -hmm. to think like, oh, you know why I feel dry? Because I haven't interacted with anyone in my community, um, anyone outside of my, you know, five other people that live with in like a week. I've just been kind of secluded here in my house doing my thing. And there's times that I really enjoy that and I need that and it is fulfilling. But there are also times when I feel like I am going to die of thirst because I'm not drinking from any water outside of my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt that. That's a hard thing to deal with. And I think that even when people are listening like, well, I'm not creative. How does this relate to me? I think it just relates to like how you see life as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not how does pursuing your church, you talk about your church and I want to hear more about that. Like when you talk about like, that's your community and that's your life. How has it always been that way? What does that look like for you guys? And why is that a value? Well, it, it has always been that way, but it hasn't always felt how it feels now. Um, we have had very health, healthy community before, but Seth and I, we are just hard workers And we love to strive. We will strive until we are just nearly dead on the ground. And then we burn out over and over again. And so this phase of our life, of our lives with the church, has been a very interesting switch to following my joy. I feel so full of joy right now Mm. in my community And I used to think if I don't get out there and make friends with everybody that crosses my paths, that they're going to go to hell Uh (laughs) or that, you know, if I don't do my part, then people are going to starve. Like I just have had this truly what I see now is a narcissistic way of thinking 
about how I live in my church life. Mm. Like if I'm not the one pulling this load, it's then not going to get done. Or? It's not going to get done. Uh-huh. It's not going to get done. And um, I'm raising my children to be that way. And we just flat ran out of everything mm. and almost out of faith at one point. And um, so dry. Mm. And when we decided that the Lord loved us how we are, even when we're not doing Jack, Mm -hmm. and when we're trying to relearn about whether or not, you know, He does love us how we are. And we started, we started, we joined a new community. Mm -hmm. And all the work that we have done there so far has been out of a sense of rest and belovedness. And I don't think we've worked more. Hmm. (laughs) That's what's so interesting is that more work, more and better work comes out of a place of rest in your soul when you know you're not the one that's holding the world in the palm of her hand. Yeah. It kind of changes the way you're striving for things. Oh, it totally, totally yeah, it does. Is it changing the way you're parenting your boys? Well, I would like to hope so. I'm, you know, I'm I'm constantly. Maybe that is something that is yet to be transformed a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I still can jump headlong into guilt with parenting, mm-hmm. thinking I should be doing better in this way and that way. And yeah, um, but this summer has been really good. And I, there was a, a while that I was dreading it because, you know, I'm going to be at home alone with four boys. What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I am looking for my joy. I read a little line in a, a publication called the, uh, the image journal. Mm-hmm. And the line says something like follow, no, take your joy where you can find it. And I think we know the difference in like when we take joy in something that, you know, is wrong to right. take joy in. Like, you know, it's not that hard to say, yes, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to find my joy there. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really simple thing to say, I'm going to look for joy today yeah. and, and, and do that, un, you know, unto the Lord and mm-hmm. for my community, for my kids. And so life is filling. I'm not saying that I'm like, I'm there and I'm healed and I don't have you know, days where I, you know, get huffy and blah, blah, blah. But joy is just a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something like parenting for me is probably what will go down when I'm old and gray and dying as probably one of the hardest endeavors that I've probably ever walked through. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm only 12 years into it. I mean, we have a, a long road ahead of us. But it is just the one thing where, like you just said, where I can get into a, a trap of guilt yeah. Um, but I can also get into a trap of just overwhelmingness um, yes. and my sins shine so bright mm-hmm. <laughs> in parenting. Um, and it also is a place where I can like receive the most grace as well, you know, on the same hand. Um, and so I'm trying to kind of, I like what you said, I'm trying to find more um, joy right in the midst of in front of my eyes um, and then just really relish in the grace that God has for me in 
what is probably going to be one of the hardest things I walk through. That's uh, right. Is parenting. Not because we have hard kids and we do have some hard moments, but it's just because it is this thing in our life that is just magnifies. Uh, it magnifies my selfishness. It magnifies my pride. It magnifies everything wrong about me, basically, is oh parenting. You know? Yes. And, you know, here's what I'm seeing. If I'm looking at one of my kids and saying to them, you have an anger problem. <laughs> you have, why, you know, why are you treating your brother that way? Uh-huh, or, uh-huh. or I'll, you know, I'll often say, what are you thinking? Uh-huh. And then it, as soon as I step away from it, it's becoming my habit more for me to be able to say, oh, okay, God, I see. I, you know, exactly, exactly what I just said to him is what you're saying to me. Hmm. Exactly. And so it does, oh, the sins just, right. you get to, you get, they're there. Yeah. But you just get to, to lay eyes on them. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I hope, like if I were to write like a book or an essay or something about how to deal with people out in the world who are struggling, that we want to minister to, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's really easy for me to say, whatever you're struggling with, I've struggled with that too. In some way, mm-hmm. that's me. Everything that you have is me. But with my own kids, it has been so much harder. Uh, isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I've said this before, and I don't know if this is true of you. I am. I give. I give Aaron so much grace. I. I feel like I don't know why. I just am able to show him so much grace. Um, and then with my kids, I can be so much more controlling. And I don't know what that is about. I know <laughs> I have a very controlling. Like I want control. Not that I want to control people. I like for my life to feel in control. Right? Like when things get yes. out of control, I I get like. I lose my brain. And so I feel like sometimes I can control my kids more than I can control Aaron. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm working on that as well. I'm working on that one too. It's a process, to... right? Uh huh. It better be. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> this can't be the end is what we're saying. <laughs> no, that has so much to do with fears and, um, you know, your family of origin too, whether or not they were flexible or inflexible. I came from a very inflexible family. And so a lot of times when I tell my kids do to do something, I expect them to basically stand up, look me in the eyes and say, yes, ma'am. Right. Like, I, I, I did not know I was like this. Like I'm like a drill sergeant. Right. <laughs> Hey guys, I want to talk to you real quick before we get back to the show about something that I'm really passionate about and something that I want you to know about. Did you know that slavery still exists? I know. It's a surprise. We often think that slavery is something that was abolished years ago and lives in just history books. But guys, there are more slaves now than any other time in history. In fact, 45 million men, women, girls, and boys are daily being bought, sold, trafficked, and used against their will. I cannot even begin to imagine it. But guys, there's hope in this situation that seems quite hopeless because there's a group of people who are working day and night, relentlessly searching for each one of these lives. And when they're free one life, they search for the next one and then the next and the next. And this makes them the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. This organization is called International Justice Mission, IJM. You know, this problem is really, really big and IJM does so much to fight it. And I'm a huge fan of them. But you know what? They're also inviting you to help. They're inviting you to join them in something called Freedom Sunday. 
The idea is very simple. On September 25th of this year, they're asking your church to dedicate a service to freedom on this one Sunday to awaken God's people and answer his call to see slavery in for good. Um, from the lobby to the message to the media, your church will experience God's love for justice and be given the opportunity to join his work in ending slavery. So guys, it starts with you and I'm asking you to take this to your church leadership and see and say, how can our church be a part of it? Commit today to do something. Go to IJM.org slash happy hour. Super easy to remember, guys. IJM.org slash happy hour. And we're going to ask you to take this to your pastor to host a Freedom Sunday. They're going to give you everything they need. And someone from IJM is going to personally walk you through this. All right, guys. As Gary Haugen says, who's the founder of IJM, he says, God has a plan to bring justice to the world. And his plan is us. Guys, go check it out. IJM.org slash happy hour. Okay, guys, here's my conversation. Your oldest is how old? You know, he's 11. 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is this? What fears do you have going into raising a teenage boy? I actually, I actually really like that they're getting older. Uh-huh. I, I deal with teenage talk so much better than I do. Girl, me too. The babies, yep. the young ones. Yeah. So I'm a lot more comfortable in the conversations mm-hmm. as they get older. And boy, do we have all kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, and some of them are really funny. Yeah. But um, I'm more afraid that they're not going to trust me mm. and tell me what they're going through. I'm afraid that if they do go through their teenage years how I did, um, which was r- rough, uh-huh. you know, super rebellious, that they won't believe me when I say I love you anyway. Mm. When I say, you know, I won't kill you if you call me when you need a ride. Yeah. You know, there may be consequences. Right. <laughs> right. But I cut myself off from my parents because I didn't, I didn't believe I didn't believe I could be loved really if I messed up. And so I want, I want to instill in them that they are so lovable. Mm. Do you think that there's something that was said or done that made you believe that? Or do you think that was kind of just this internal thing that you developed on your own? I kind of think a lot of people do that internally, but Growing up in the South, in the church, I think a lot of the culture in the 80s mm-hmm. is pretty hardcore. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and my understanding of grace was basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so I thought if I did this, this, and this, that I was kind of out of yep. the club. Yeah. And so once I did mess up a few times, and, you know, I, you know, like I, shook my booty when I danced and really liked it, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Yeah. It just, I just thought, well, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out of this. So I just went headlong out of it. Yeah. I I hear everything you're saying, and I agree. I grew up also in the church um, in the 80s and 90s, and, you know, the, the biggest, baddest sins of, you know, sex before marriage and drinking alcohol. Once I had crossed those lines, I felt as though it couldn't come back. Right. You know, and so I, I hear what you're saying as well. And um, I hear that with wanting your kids to do. What are some things that you're doing for your boys that you hope 
are going to be a way that they can believe you when you say that? Well, I guess it's really simple. Um, right now, they're they're in a stage where they really crave physical touch, and mm-hmm. it drives me bonkers. <laughs> are you not a physical touch person? Well, I mean, I I am until you've had four boys hanging on you right, all day. Exactly. Then. <laughs> and then you've hit your limit. Let's be honest. You've hit your limit well before the husband comes yes. home. Yes. Sorry, babe. Yeah, I know. I know it's it's a problem. Yes. But but when I will stop and hold them mm-hmm. and tell them things like you were made to be loved, and also you were met, you were created to love others. You know, I just, I feel like I'm in the mantra stage with them, you know. Yeah. And and that's what I've got right now. Just speaking that over them. Speaking it over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, a lot of apologizing God. when I screw up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I've always said I want my kids to know their mom can apologize. And I think that does a lot because it kind of levels the ground a little bit. You know what I mean, Amber? Like, mm-hmm. It's me saying I've messed up and I'm sorry. And I think it hopefully, hopefully you and I hopefully will open those doors Mm -hmm. that when they mess up, they've already seen that modeled of um, confession and forgiveness um, from a parent. And then I hope that kind of rolls over to them also believing and trusting that that confession and repentance um, towards God is also going to happen even more than from us. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Man. Man. Raising boys. Mm-hmm. I tell them a lot that they minister to me. So if they do something that feels like a blessing to me, mm-hmm. I will make them look me in the eye and say, you have to understand. Like you see people in the pulpit, you see people at church doing all these different jobs, and we call them ministers. But you have to understand that you are just as much of a minister and that you minister to me mm-hmm. and that you bless me. Mm-hmm. You have blessed me. And that's, that's actually a really powerful thing. That's very that powerful. There's, there is a place for every single human in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And if we let our kids know that there's a place for them right now, that they are actually right now ministers, they don't have to grow up into it. Mm. They are it. Yeah. That reminds me, I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, my friend Heather does a show called God Centered Mom, and it's mm-hmm. a whole podcast for moms. And recently she's had a couple of guests on that were specifically towards raising boys. And I don't know this specific guest that was on, but I remember that it was a man and he was talking about the importance of um, speaking approval and speaking words that uplift our sons, the importance mm-hmm. that that is for them, even at a young age. Um, and I know that like with my husband, one of his greatest love languages is just words of affirmation. Um, yes. And it really challenged me. And I like what you just said, because that's exactly what you're doing is you're speaking these, you're affirming them, um, not just as men, but as, um, you know, pe- bearers of the gospel. You, you know, you, right. you're giving this affirmation um, that, that, that what you just said, you have a place in the kingdom and what you just did mattered. And so, man. What a great reminder to us as moms, especially to mamas of boys, of how much our words matter to them. And you're, I mean, Amber, you're building a trust in them already by saying, hey, your mama, she is for you and she believes in you. You're building that foundation with just those words. It's amazing. I hope so. I hope Mm. so. Thank you. Yeah. 
Um, so I have a question about you and Seth both being writers. Do you guys write at the same time? And by write, I don't mean just like working on an essay here or there. I mean book writing. We haven't yet. Okay. Seth has written two books already, and he wrote them. On his well, lunch break. <laughs> actually, you know what? That's not the truth. Because at, when I was writing Wild in the Hollow is when he made the decision to towards sobriety. Mm-hmm. And he called me one day from Austin and told me, get rid of all, all the alcohol before I come home. And I did. Was and that then, a surprise? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was. And, you know, oh, we could talk so long about that. Mm-hmm. But let, I'll, I'll finish the writing mm-hmm. question first. So he wrote, when he came home, he woke up every morning and he poured his guts out um, every day for 40 days. And that is how he wrote coming clean. Mm. Was that part of his journey or was, was it, was it just, it was this personal thing for him at first and then it turned Very. into a project? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh yes. The, the idea of the, of it being a book, it, it was later. Yeah. This was, this was writing in his order to mm-hmm. be sober. Mm-hmm. And, and were so, you writing Wild in the Hollow at the same time? Yes, that okay. was that was in book writing stage. But at the time, we didn't know that we were both writing a mm. book. <laughs> gotcha. So, so yes, but no. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, we do when I was writing Wild in the Hollow and then he decided to make Coming Clean into a book, he would start to talk about his book, and I would say, oh, my goodness, I'm writing exactly that, but my version, and I need you to stop. Right. And so I actually didn't read his book until he was finished. I, I, had to, I actually had to say, I'm so afraid of stealing mm. what he's going to write. Yeah. Did he so, read some of yours? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's interesting to me because I asked Jen and Brandon Hatmaker the same thing. They're both authors, and they said that they don't read anything till it's done. Yeah, yeah. And then you guys just did that as well. It's interesting. Aaron and I are both book writing um, at the same time, and so it'll be interesting to see how that works out as well. Yes, it's kind of yes. crazy. Um, okay, go back to that phone call that you got from Seth um, from Austin when he called and said, "Get rid of all the alcohol." Yes. Um, was not a surprise to you or I mean, it was a surprise to you. It was, I knew that I had questioned him about whether or not he had a problem. I had mentioned to him a few times that I might need to start hearing why he was having a drink when he comes home from work. Mm -hmm. And we have always said to each other that we have the authority in each other's lives to say, it's time for you to stop. So y'all had established that previously in your marriage. Yes, Uh because alcoholism is a pretty big deal in Seth's Seth's family. Okay. And so, you know, I I have always known I have the authority. Mm -hmm. And so I would, but I mean, I was never going to like use it. You weren't (laughs) going to be just this demanding wife saying you were going to walk through it. Right. No, I would say, can, I think we're to the place where you need, you need to ask yourself why you're having that drink. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, he would respond with, fine, if you don't want me to drink, I won't drink. And he'd pour it out. And I, that never, 
that wasn't okay. Yeah. So that was right before he quit. Mm-hmm. And um, he definitely, um, he was at a gathering in Austin mm-hmm. and heard from the Lord, you can either deal with it right now or have some serious problems later. Mm. And so we never got to the, like, go to children's birthday parties drunk part of, right. you know, alcoholism. Mm-hmm. We, he, he stays very far away from the word alcoholic uh-huh. because um, he, he really feels that our dependence belongs to the Lord. Our attachment belongs to the Lord. And anything that comes between you and, and the Lord is a problem. Mm. Anything. And for him, it was that. For him, it was that. In that moment. Do you mm-hmm. think that you were on the road to that? That he was? Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, do you yeah. think he was on the road to, you know, showing up at kids' birthday parties? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what he was seeing in himself when he was in Austin. Yeah. yeah. Is that's pretty bad. Yeah. So tell me what it was like just as a wife. And, and again, this scenario could translate to a thousand different things for people. What was it like to walk through that with your husband? Something so personal and intimate, um, and be supportive, um, but also realistic. And, um, what did that look like for you guys? At first for me, I mean, internally, I didn't say anything, but internally it was annoying I'll be honest. <laughs> because why? It was kind of an interruption? It was an interruption, and and he took away my plans. That's what yeah. I felt like. I was like, we were going to go to Paris and Italy and drink wine. You know, these right. these things that you, you think are coming for you and uh-huh. things that you were going to enjoy together. And I can see that. I would have never thought that, but it makes sense. I, I mean, I would never have thought that I would respond that way but then I did Mm -hmm. you know it was just felt like a lot of selfish things Mm -hmm. came out of that and um I mean that was goofy I mean I I knew better I did but you're honest and telling us this was a real thought that I had and I think that that's people appreciate that because that's a real we go into selfish mode when something affects us yes yes we do and you know I couldn't drink at home anymore and I'm I wasn't a huge drinker but I wanted to be able to enjoy a glass of wine and, mm-hmm. and we got rid of all of it. And so one of the things that we learned um, was about physical touch and about the need for um, getting rid of stress, um, the need for oxytocin. Mm. So when you have a lot of stress in your life and a lot of times you're drinking to get rid of pain, to get rid of stress and or whatever your thing is, um, you need oxytocin to get rid of the cortisol, to send that cortisol out. Okay. So that's why we exercise. That's why we have sex. Uh-huh. That's why we are supposed to hug for, I feel like, 17 seconds. There's a number. Okay. But I feel like we counted to 30. <laughs> I believe that hugs sobered my husband, and that's the cheesiest thing I could possibly say. But we did a lot of just stand together, hold each other, his saying, this sucks, my saying, I'm sorry. Mm. (laughs) And it was just a day-to-day thing. But his healing 
when you have one person in your family that comes to healing, it brings healing to the whole. Mm. It influences the whole. And so there, in a lot of ways, when it came time for me to read Seth's book, I didn't want to. Because why? Because I didn't want to deal with my own pain. I see. So you had pain to deal with. You didn't even know you needed to deal with it mm-hmm. until he started walking through his healing. Exactly. Mm. That's right. So it was almost like it would have been easier if you didn't have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. It's always and easier not to have to deal with the crap, right? We think it is. That's right. But we don't know what the other side looks like. But the other side is so much better. Uh-huh. The other side is really, it's, I mean, it's freedom. Yeah. But you have to walk through the, the crap. Yep. To get to the other side. And so what did that look like for you? Well, for me, yeah, I think it's still going, Jamie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have parents who divorced in the last couple of years. And, you know, a lot of times in our lives, things are happening that are outside of our control. Um, a lot of people have kids with special needs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a pain that we've endured in the past. It's, a, it's almost a looking ahead and saying, I'm not sure that this is ever going to stop. Mm-hmm. And so how do we decide that we're going to deal with pain? And a lot of times we decide we're just going to run from it. And that's what gets us in the mess. Right. Yeah. It feels so, safer to run. And isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm usually a fighter. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to have the, uh, I'm a, I can be aggressive. I want to have the conversation. I'm not afraid of conflict, that kind of thing. But when it comes to pain, um, I'll, I'll, I can run. Mm. I can do some good running. Yeah. So, and I think that's normal. Mm-hmm. But we, we have we've found a lot of healing, and, and we're seeing a lot of healing happen in the church. Mm-hmm. So in my book, the way I word it is like to actually sit in the pain, like, mm-hmm. like just turn and face it mm-hmm. and, and don't, don't try to cover it. And because um, it's, in, you know, I, we had a sick child and we were in the hospital for a really long time and we thought we were going to lose him at one point. And so alcohol is how Seth dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And I dealt with it in all these other ways. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really interesting what you uncover when you decide that you're not going to run from the pain anymore. And you find that you uncover like access to joy. Mm. That you didn't know was there. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm. So, it's, it, so what's fun is that my first book I wrote and did, I had to face a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And this next book that I'm going to be writing is going to be from a different amber. Mm. I really feel like that. I, and I don't even know how it's going to go. Yeah. Like I've never done this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So Wild in the Hollow released when? In August of 2015. Okay. So last year. Yep. Last year. Um, And just tell us real quick, what would you say is the synopsis of that book? Well, the the little tagline is on chasing desire and finding the broken way home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little bit about embracing brokenness. Mm -hmm. 
It's a little bit about homesickness, which I think if you have any conversation with anybody for long, you'll say you'll you'll start to recognize that homesickness is everywhere and everyone. We're all trying to get back home or trying to find home, mm. and um, figuring out that we do have a place and we do have a fit. For me, seeing that as a woman in the church in the kingdom of God, I have a place and I have a fit in. Um, before the Lord, and um, being able to look out into the world and say, there's a place for you. Hmm. So it's a journey. Yeah. And so you're working on a next book? I'm just now getting you're, started. You're dreaming? I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm doing the doodles in the journal, all awesome. the scratchy notes. And it's really fun. Is that it's, how you start a book? Um, yes, okay. I start a book with a whole lot of thought bubbles. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that might be in my book. That might be in my book. And then they kind of converge, okay. they join together and then mm-hmm. there it is. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I cannot wait to get a hold of that. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Um, Amber, I think that we could come up with 8,000 things to keep talking about yes. um, today. <laughs> I do too. Um, I have loved all of our conversation about parenting and supporting and wife and creative and all kinds of stuff. This is like all my world. Um, but I always ask my guests two questions. So I want to know from you, what are you reading and what three things are you loving? Okay. So the book I'm reading again right now is Slouching Toward Bethlehem. And you're reading so it again? Like you've already read it? Yes, it's Joan Didion. It's a it's okay, a uh-huh. collection of, of her essays, and they're amazing. And I probably read them twenty years ago. Okay, so, okay, you need a refresher. Exactly, I barely remember them. I remember that I love them, and I'm, creative nonfiction is is what I love. Mm-hmm. And there, I, I don't feel like I know very many amazing creative nonfiction writers, right. and she's one of them. Such strong, amazing writing. So. That's what I'm reading. Love it. Okay, three things that I'm loving. So when you have a lot of church people to your house and you say, like, bring a side or a dessert, Uh we do this all the time. Uh Um, A couple of weeks ago, someone brought Bluebell coffee ice cream. Okay. And someone else brought toffee Chex Mix. And let me guess, you put them together. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The best. (laughs) It was amazing, and I haven't stopped, and I think I've gained five pounds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just keep going. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're at the end of the last container of ice cream. I don't plan to buy more, but I do suggest that you crumble toffee Chex Mix on top of your coffee ice cream. Okay. My second thing is my yard, and I can't stay out of my yard. I love it so much, and I am. I never stop enjoying 
strange insects and birds and lizards and even snakes that my kids will pick up and uh-huh. hold in front of my door or what kind of fish are in our pond or um, just how my chickens are doing. They follow me like a little parade and I'll carry vegetables in my shirt tail every morning and uh, get itchy all over. I love it. I love, love every it. bit of it. I love it. I, I could spend four hours a day without blinking oh. in my yard. Yeah. That seems so um, fairy tale dreamish to me, but I don't think I'd be very good at it. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm great at it. No, but you still love it. Like, I think that I wouldn't have the love that you have, but I look at it from the outside and I hear you chat about it. I think amazing. I do. And it, it is a dream and it has, it has fed me. It really has fed me. Oh, that's so, awesome. Thankful. Yeah. yeah. So okay, what else are you loving? I am loving. Oh, gracious. Okay. The third thing. Is after I wrote Wild in the Hollow, mm-hmm. I literally closed my laptop and said, I can die now. Like I'm I was done. I, I, I had all the words that I had ever had to say were in that book. And it took me forever to feel like I was going to have anything to write again. <laughs> yeah. And I am loving that I'm still me and I needed some furlough. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah, for space. You need a time yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And it's happening again. You feel and it coming back. Feel it coming back full on, maybe maybe even better, more enjoyable than before, maybe with more wisdom, I hope. I think so. that would be everyone that is creating something, no matter what it is, that you'd feel like, is this, is this the last good thing? Mm-hmm. Is this, and then God keeps showing up and giving you more. That's right. Just when you needed it, when you thought, I have nothing left in me, he gives you more. Yep. That's right. Well, Amber, thank you so much for joining me on the happy hour. Thank you. Thanks for being interesting. (laughs) Thank you for being interesting. It's been such a delight, and I cannot wait for people to hear all of your um, fabulous stories about life. Thank you. And we look forward to your next book in however many years that comes. I know. I'm learning these book things. I'm like, wait, we're going to release the book in like 2018? What? This is crazy. That's right. Oh, so wonderful. Um, Okay. Thanks for joining me on the happy hour. Thank you, Jamie. Guys, wasn't that a fun conversation with Amber? I hope that you'll get a copy of her books and possibly even her husband Seth's book. I'll have everything we chatted about up on my webpage, so you don't need to feel like you need to frantically write it all down. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and share some of me that you loved about this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Jason Poe. Guys, don't forget to subscribe, because my guest next week is Jen Hatmaker and Rachel Hollis, two of my favorite women and two of the favorite guests of the show. They're both going to be here with us, and we have something super fun that we're going to talk about and something we'd like for you to actually join in with us. We're going to give you an opportunity to join with us. So tune in next week for my conversation with Jen and Rachel. Uh, Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour. I will see you next week for my show with Jen Hatmaker and Rachel Hollis. Bye, guys. Not everything in life is flexible. But at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. 
You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.